find that sponsor that you trust with your money because you're going to be able to get a higher return than investing with one of these massive REIT companies from a cash flow perspective. And then if you're also into the value add deals and the equity upside as well. Quick disclaimer, the views and opinions expressed in this podcast are provided for informational purposes only and should not be construed as an offer to buy or sell any securities or to make or consider any investment or course of action. For more information, go to bestevershow.com. Hi, best of listeners. Welcome to another episode of the Actively Passive Investing Show. As always, I'm Theo Hicks, joined by Travis Watts. Travis, how's it going? Hey, Theo, doing well, man. So today we are going to talk about how to succeed as a real estate investor while working a full-time job. So you've got some sort of W-2 or self-employed non-real estate job, but you want to invest in real estate at the exact same time. What are some of your options? And then how can you be successful at it while it's only getting a portion of your time. So that's going to be the main topic of today. So as always, Travis is going to go into a little bit more detail on why we're covering this topic today. Sure. Theo and everybody listening, I think the key is here how to be successful investing in real estate while working part-time. I would argue that I was not successful through portions of my active journey trying to hold down a, a very busy job. So these are hopefully some helpful keys and tips and hints and strategies that may help you that I sure wish I had known about back then. So the fact is that not everybody's cut out to be a full-time landlord or a full-time property manager or general partner in a real estate syndication. I'm a big advocate, as you know, of people focusing on their highest and best earning potential. So for the majority, that's not going to be a real estate profession. That makes up a very, very small portion of the overall job market. If we're talking about the investing side, excluding realtors, brokers, et cetera. So I certainly started out part-time as a real estate investor, as I just mentioned, holding down a hundred hour a week W-2 job. And again, this episode is just to give you some possibilities and strategies to think about. So Theo, if you want to kick us off, just talking about either single family getting started that way, as many people do, or I guess we could categorize it as active investing if you just want to kick us off there and then I'll take over on some of the passive strategies. Exactly. So as Travis said, we've really got two options to invest in real estate. You've got the active side and you've got the passive side. So I'll define active as you're the one doing everything. You're not necessarily doing the day-to-day duties, but you're either responsible for doing those or you're responsible for finding someone to do it for you. So you're buying these deals and then you're either being a landlord yourself or you're hiring someone to be a landlord for you. Now, this is how I got started. I started by house hacking, like how Travis started. I bought a duplex and the intention was to live in one side and then rent out the other side. Now, this is how a lot of people get started in real estate, right? Not everyone, not all, but a lot of people when they first hear about real estate, this is kind of what they do. They'll start small, they'll house hack, maybe they'll buy a single family home or they'll start wholesaling, but you don't have to start this way. You don't have to start with a single family home or wholesaling. You can start with smaller multifamilies, for example, like I did with the duplex. And there are definitely benefits to starting this way. The one of them probably being that it doesn't necessarily require 
as much money to get started as it would for pass investing. Again, with REITs, which is kind of a different story, but we're talking about syndications. You don't need as much money or as high of a net worth to buy a single family home or a duplex, for example. And we're talking about residential properties, just one unit to four units. And if you live there, you can get it for very little money down. Or you can be very creative and do some sort of seller financing where you put very little or no money down, right? So there's a lot more flexibility in the terms of how you actually buy the property, whereas the terms are more set in stone for past investing. You can't negotiate with the REIT or negotiate with the syndicator some creative way where you put no money in the deal, but somehow get a stake. Obviously, also when you are actively investing, since you are doing everything, then you have complete control of that deal. And with that complete control, obviously comes extra responsibilities on your end. You need to know what you're doing. But with that control comes the ability to direct the project, but also you are able to reap all the benefits. So if you double the price of the property, then you get all that money. You get to pay fees to your property management company or whoever else you're working with. But in a sense, 100% of the proceeds go to you, whereas the profit splits are different for these passive type of deals. I think one of the biggest benefits, though, of starting this way is the education piece that you get. Even if you don't plan on doing your own active investing business, like maybe your plan is to eventually get to passive investing, which Travis is going to talk about, what you learn by going through transaction, even if it's just a single family home, you can't get that knowledge just by reading a book or listening to podcasts. Once you actually go through it and you experience it and you see what happens and what it actually feels like to close on a deal to manage the deal, to collect rent, to deal with maintenance issues, things like that. It gives you a much better understanding of what that company is doing that you're investing with. So I would say that's probably one of the main reasons why you would want to actively invest first, even if it was just one little property. And then ultimately, if you're going to continue to actively invest and not transition to passive investing, then your goal to be successful, especially while you're working this full-time job, because you're not going to be able to scale to 20 different units if you're the landlord and you're doing everything. So the goal would be to transition it to a turnkey system where you hire people to essentially do every single thing. And maybe on that first deal, you're going to be working hard, working long nights, working weekends, having that phone by you just in case someone calls. Maybe you'll find a maintenance guy right away that can be the person who deals with those things that happen while you're at work. But eventually, once you understand how the process works, you're going to find out where you're spending most of your time and then hire someone to do that for you. Since you have a full-time job, you're probably not going to have enough money generated from your properties to cover that person's salary until you scale to a certain size. And so it's kind of uh, finding that fine line of when to hire that person. But finding a property management company, finding a maintenance person, or hopefully they do that for you, will reduce your time investment so much so that it is almost like it's passive investing, the time commitment that you have. And so upfront, it's going to be a lot of work and a lot of time, which again, might not be something you can do with your current job. If you're not flexible with your job, you have to work eight to six, you have no access to your personal cell phone, you're going to have a hard time doing that getting to the point where you can even get that team in place. So that might not be an option for you. But if you have one of these flexible full-time jobs where you're in sales and you're out on the road or you work from home and you have the ability to have your phone, then this could work really well for you. 
of course, again, it really all depends on how much time you have, what your job is, and then what your end goal is actually going to be. Active investing is not good for everyone. Neither is passive investing. It just kind of depends on your situation. We'll get back to the show in just two minutes, but first, some sponsors I'm confident you'll find value in learning more about. As your portfolio grows, you need financial management services you can rely on to help you save money and continue making the right choices for your company's future. Realestateaccounting.co's top-tier CFO team uses their deep industry and operating experience to guide real estate syndicators, investors, and family offices through every pivotal moment and crucial decision. Their fractional CFO services include budget-to-actual, cash flow and distributions, and reporting and valuation. Go to realestateaccounting.co forward slash CFO to find out why REA is one of the fastest growing real estate accounting companies around. The real estate experts provide timely analysis and consultations to help you make the most informed decisions possible. See and trust where your portfolio is headed with the customized financial reports based on the KPIs that matter to you and your business. Try it risk-free today at realestateaccounting.co forward slash CFO. If you're not sure where to start investing or need help taking the next step, mentorship and coaching is one of the best ways to get going. Think Multifamily is a leading apartment acquisition and education company who provides true one-on-one coaching to help you invest for your family's future. Their servant leadership approach will guide you to successfully scale your real estate business or assist you to diversify your investments in multifamily. Go to thinkmultifamily.com forward slash coaching to learn how they help working professionals just like you transform their future through partnering and community. In fact, the majority of real estate investors who partner with Think Multifamily get involved in a general partnership within six months. Thinkmultifamily.com forward slash coaching highlights the partnerships, joint ventures, and resources all available through the coaching program. Go to thinkmultifamily.com forward slash coaching to learn how to become a member and get involved. That's all I have to say for active investing. Travis, any thoughts or do you want to just go straight into the, the flip side, which is that passive approach? Yeah, a couple things real quick. You brought up some excellent points, one of which couldn't agree more, which is if I look back on all the six years of doing active investing, that was the biggest benefit, the biggest takeaway. The thing I'm most grateful for is that foundation, understanding the business of real estate, at least from a small level. And then just finding myself through that process, realizing this really isn't for me. This really isn't something that I enjoy. And sometimes it's hard to know that until you're there, right? You're in the trenches and things are going bad and then it really calls on your strengths. And if your strengths aren't there, (laughs) like mine work, it caused me to pivot and go a passive direction, which is what I want to talk about here. And the other thing is you mentioned you and I started with house hacking, which is an active strategy, right? So, so many people start with active real estate and there's nothing wrong with that, of course. But what I think it is, is there's a big lack of information out there on how to successfully passively invest in real estate or just how to passively invest in real estate in general all these courses and seminars and books, most of them are about active strategies. We see it all the time on TV, the house flippers and the whole thing. These are all active strategies. So I think it just gets painted in our mind. And I would argue you really don't need necessarily a formal training system to get out there and house hack or to go rent out an extra house in your own city (laughs) that you decided to buy at a discount and then put a tenant in there. 
it's pretty simple stuff. But to take it a notch above or two notches above, which is what we're going to talk about now, realize that, hey, if you're busy and to the point and topic of this section here, this episode, if you're just looking to place capital in real estate, get some depreciation, some leverage, some tax benefits, some cash flow. You can do that without having to be active or be a house flipper or be a wholesaler or have roommates. <laughs> if you're older, have a family. I understand why you may not want to do that. So anyway, with that intro, let me define passive investing this way. I like this definition. Not having an active participation in the day-to-day decisions or management of the business plan. That's how I like to define passive investing. So I'll give you an example. So Theo, you brought up turnkey investing, which is where you're going to buy an asset that already has a tenant in it. They already have a lease made up. Hopefully the property has no real deferred maintenance you need to worry about. It's turnkey. It's a transaction. You go to closing. Now you're the owner of this home and everything's set up for you, at least for now. But you still have to make decisions, which property manager to use if you decide to change that at any time, what repairs you want to do, do you fix something, do you replace something, what upgrades to make to the property, should you paint the outside of the house, should you paint the inside, should you replace the carpet, there's so many things that are still active on your plate, and things like do you sell the property or refinance it, and when do you do that, and which lender do you use. This is what makes all of this active, even though it seems on the surface like that would be passive income, right? Because it's turnkey, but there's still a lot that you're involved with. So true passive investing takes all of that off your plate, okay? So someone else is calling the shots is the main takeaway here. Hopefully someone very knowledgeable and with experience, (laughs) but that's how a syndication works is that you would have a general partnership and they're actually managing the business plan. They're deciding on refinances and sales. They decide who the property manager is. They send out distributions. They work with a CPA and get your tax forms done for you. All of that is off your plate. And that's what I fell in love with years ago. So after doing active for six years, as I mentioned, I discovered this hands-off approach, so to speak. So that's kind of real estate syndications in a nutshell. I know we talk about that a lot on the show. Also, one thing to point out, they're less volatile than stocks, these private placements, because it's not a publicly traded market where tweets are going around and people are getting on the news channels saying the sky's falling and then the stock market's up and down. And depending on What the Fed says, your real estate's up 5% or down 10%, things like this. So much more steady and consistent compared to rentals that I had, even single family homes on a side note. And I want to explain that a little bit. I'll give you an example. If I have one single family rental, okay, and I put whatever, 50 grand into that as a down payment, just to make up some numbers, and that tenant moves out, I not only lose my cash flow, which maybe I'm living on or maybe I'm relying on for some purpose, I actually go negative immediately upon that tenant, either not paying rent or moving out because I still have to worry about expenses, HOAs and maintenance and insurance and property tax. I'm still making payments regardless if there's a tenant in there, regardless if they're paying or not. And that's something I really didn't like about my buy and hold single family properties that I used to have. So now if we compare that to putting, say, 50000 in a real estate syndication, let's say I'm a partial owner. I own a percentage of a limited partnership that owns a 400-unit apartment building. Well, 
a lot of the break-even occupancies are, let's just say, around 70%. Could be lower, could be slightly higher, but I'm just going to use that as a round number. So 120 residents or tenants in that property could either not pay rent or be moved out, and they could be vacant units, and I'm at a true break-even. So yeah, it's true. I wouldn't have any cash flow, but I also wouldn't have out-of-pocket expenses. And that's a huge, huge thing. That to me was one of those light bulb moments in my real estate investing journey is just to think about that and realize how much more of a safety net you really have because of the scale of investing in larger projects that I never knew that I could invest in. So I just think a lot of people don't know they can invest this way. I'll have you cover REITs here in a minute, which is another great option for a lot of people. But I used to think if you'd asked me when I first got started, who owns apartment communities, I would say billionaires and Wall Street hedge funds or something. I had no clue that what I would call Main Street retail accredited investors could be investing in this. And what I mean by that is medical professionals or lawyers or pro athletes, CEOs, business owner, VPs of companies, high income, high net worth individuals, basically, but not billionaires, just your average millionaire, basically, could be investing in this kind of stuff. And sometimes even without being a millionaire, right? As we all know, you could be a sophisticated investor, non-accredited, depending on the kind of offering you may be able to participate anyway, without those kinds of thresholds. So that's for another topic. But these are people that are active in leveraging their highest and best earning potential, but they're passive in their investing approach. That's the simplest way to put that. So that's been my journey and some of those light bulb moments. Any thoughts on that, Theo? Yeah, just at the end of the day, the topic is how to succeed as a real estate investor while working full time. And Travis just kind of went into the philosophy behind passively investing in syndications, for example, and he kind of listed examples of the types of people who do this. And if you're a doctor and you're working 60, 70, maybe 100 hours per week, if you're just starting out, you just aren't going to have the time or just the mental bandwidth to do an active business on the side to kind of deal with that, even though you could potentially get it to where it's operating on its own. So if you truly want to succeed while you're working full time, in my opinion, the ideal way would be to passively invest. It doesn't mean you could never do active investing. You can go from passive to active. And I've talked about this on syndication school before, where I say passively investing is a really good way to prepare yourself for actively investing. Because again, you're not in control. You're not actually doing it, but the education you get from being involved, from investing, from getting those updates, from all the research you're doing on your end, even though it's not as much as you would when you're active, will set you up for success as an active investor. But if your goal is to become an active investor and you're working a full-time job, I would highly recommend passively investing first until you have enough capital coming in from that to either come close to covering your expenses, or at least you have the confidence from the education you have to leave that and then go ahead and start an active business. Because as Travis mentioned, if you have a family or you're not going to house hack, if you're working 60 hours a week, you might not have the ability to invest all this time into doing these creative financing methods. So you can do that eventually when you have that time. But for now, a really good approach would be just to passively invest in these deals, especially if you're one of these main street accredited investors, you already have the money to do so. 
just do those deals until you can cover some of your expenses. Again, this is just my opinion, and this is not what everyone's done, right? People have just been a doctor and left their jobs immediately and actively invested and been perfectly fine. I'm just saying that in general, that's what makes the most sense to me at least. We'll get back to the show in just two minutes, but first, some sponsors I'm confident you'll find value in learning more about. Do you manage your own rental properties? If you do, or if you're about to, I want to tell you about RentReady because I'm guessing they have some services that you wish you had. RentReady is a property management software that allows you to manage your business from your computer or phone. With RentReady, you're able to collect rent online and get paid. Find the perfect tenant with the built-in screening and listing service and get your leases signed with the click of a button. And tenants really love using RentReady's app too. They can pay rent using the card, ACH, cash. They can set up auto pay, get renter's insurance if you require it. And they can even build their credit score through RentReady's new credit reporting feature. And the best part, RentReady is unlimited. That's right. All this is flat priced. There's no tricks or hidden fees. RentReady is designed for investors who manage their own properties so that you don't have to worry about paying more for building your business. You can start managing and scaling your rental properties without scaling costs. And RentReady has given us an amazing deal to pass on to the best ever listeners. You can get RentReady's annual plan for only 54 bucks at RentReady.com when you use our special code BESTEVER. That's R-E-N-T-R-E-D-I dot com with the code B-E-S-T-E-V-E-R at rentready.com to get RentReady's annual plan for only 54 bucks. Mark your calendars for the Best Ever Conference February 24th through 26th back in person at the Gaylord Rockies Convention Center. Join the experienced community and phenomenal speakers for a weekend of learning the best commercial real estate strategies, building relationships, and quite frankly, having a lot of fun. As a bonus, once you purchase your ticket, you are put into a mini mastermind group to start making connections with other commercial real estate investors immediately. Get the lowest prices right now at besteverconference.com. That's besteverconference.com. One thing I just want to insert right there before you jump into REITs is if you're more analytical minded, think about it this way. What are you willing to work for? per hour, because I calculated a lot of the rentals that I used to self-manage or some of the flips that I did. And a lot of the time I was actually working for 20, 25 bucks an hour for so many people, that's not worth it. And at the time I was in my early twenties, I was okay with it back then. But then in hindsight, looking back, I thought, no, no doctor wants to do that. No, you know, you go to work and you go make 200 bucks an hour and then you get off work and go work for 20 bucks an hour. It just doesn't make sense ROI. So you might think of it that way. Just calculate how much you earn in a year actively divided up, how many hours you work, et cetera. So just quick thought, side note. I totally agree. That dollar per hour, and you start out, it's going to be pretty low. And the goal is eventually to transition yourself into doing those really high dollar per hour activities, whether you're passive investing or actively investing. So the third thing that you can invest in to be a real estate investor while working full-time would be the REITs, so real estate investment trusts. We talked about this on the show before, and we got some information on the website comparing REITs to syndications, for example. But these can be publicly traded or privately traded. And there's a couple of pros and cons of this compared to other vehicles. First, as I mentioned earlier, really low barrier of entry, right? So For actively investing, there could potentially be a low barrier of entry, whereas for these accredited investor syndication deals, 
you're going to need 25,000, 50,000, maybe a hundred thousand, maybe even more depending on what their minimum is. Whereas for these REITs, you can get in there really low. You can invest in a REIT for like $10 just to get started. You're not going to achieve financial freedom by investing only $10, but it's still something you can't do while you're working a full-time job. You don't need to have tens of thousands of dollars to invest. Something else that's interesting about REITs is that they're required to distribute 90% of their income to investors, which means that they're not keeping a bunch of money to reinvest into these deals or reinvest into something else. They have to distribute it to their investors. You're going to get a higher cash flow from these types of investments when we're comparing them to stocks, for example. You're most likely going to get higher returns on the syndication and then depending on what you're doing for the active, you could or couldn't but you're going to get higher returns compared to some of the stocks you'd invest in because REITs are similar to stocks. They are passive investment, right? So you're not responsible for managing anything. You're just like investing in a trust that owns a bunch of real estate. And so you don't need to find the properties, manage them. You just invest in the REIT. And then one of the biggest strengths that the REITs would have over investing in an individual syndication deal, and then maybe a fund, depending on how many deals are in the fund, is the diversification. So not only is there diversification within the individual REIT, right? It might own tens of thousands of units. The company might own tens of thousands of units, maybe more, but for like a multifamily perspective, but you could also invest in a multifamily REIT, a self-storage REIT, and a mobile home park REIT, and a hotels REIT. And they're going to hold a bunch of properties within that. So you can invest in 10,000 multifamily units in a sense, and then a bunch of self-storage facilities, and then 20,000 mobile home park units, and then 20 hotels, as opposed to buying those deals individually when you're looking at as syndications. And so you're going to get a lot more diversification. Obviously with that diversification comes a lot less risk, but at the same time, because of that less risk, the returns are going to be a little bit lower. Some of the cons is that it's subject to the volatility of the stock market. So Travis has talked about this. When COVID happened, the REITs prices dropped a bunch. So I guess if you started investing in that time, it was good. But if you had invested in a REIT before that, and then it hit, the value of your REIT would have gone down a bunch. And in turn, that you might have your dividends cut or reduced or stopped, halted during a downturn or recession. Of course, this could happen for syndications. They might change the frequency of the distributions. They might reduce the distributions. They might pause the distributions. And for active investing, right? So you're in control. You might not get any money at all. Because active investing is just very, depends on what you're doing and how good you are at it. And then you might overpay for the REIT because the portfolio is trading above the book value. So you might overpay, which again is possible for the other ones as well. You overpay for an active investing deal, for example. Multiplication, probably not as much, especially if you're investing with the right sponsor. So for REITs, kind of the way I look at it is it could potentially be less risky than syndications, but you're also most likely going to get a lower return. So again, just my opinion, but if you are working full-time and you want to maximize those returns, you need to spend the time researching the right sponsor, whether investing in multifamily or self-storage or whatever, find that sponsor that you trust with your money, because you're going to be able to get a higher return than investing with one of these massive REIT companies from a cash flow perspective. And then if you're also into the value add deals and the equity upside as well. So those are my thoughts on REITs. Yeah, great points. And same concept too, when you mentioned looking for a competent team with a track record who can actually manage this business plan, you listen to stock people like Warren Buffett, Charlie Munger. They're always talking about, we look for great management. The company obviously is important, what they're selling, what they're doing, but great people make great companies and they make them successful. So 
same principles there. But at the end of the day, there's a lot of ways you can make money in real estate. As we've talked about many times over, you mentioned some great pros and cons to all of this. And it comes down to your interest. It comes down to your expertise. It comes down to your goals and what works best for you. So for me, I found that a passive investing approach is best for freeing up your time to pursue things that you'd rather be doing actively with your available time. That's the beauty of passive investing. But what if you enjoy working in the business of real estate? Well, then maybe active investing is right for you. Or maybe it's a hybrid of the two. Maybe you're doing some active stuff and you say, this is great. I love it, except I don't want to be too busy. I really don't want to be working 100 hours a week. I just want to work 40 or 50 on this. Well, that's fine. But to scale up your cash flow, you might consider some passive investments to supplement what you're doing actively. So everybody's different. As I always say, you do you. <laughs> that's my final thought. I couldn't agree more. As Travis mentioned, it could potentially come down to your dollar per hour. But if you really want to do it, then that might not matter to you. You might actually enjoy being in the nitty gritty and doing the business, right? You enjoy creating and growing businesses. So you might be a doctor who is making a hundred bucks an hour at work, but you're totally content with making $15 an hour doing real estate on the side because you really like it or leaving being a doctor and doing real estate full-time and making much less money. So it just kind of depends there's the money aspect of it, but it's also the, what do you want to do aspect of it too, right? That's why I like when Travis calls it time freedom as opposed to financial freedom, right? So how do you want to spend your time? And it might not be for financial reasons. So it kind of just depends on what you want to do. So we kind of just wanted to present the case for these two different options, the active side and the passive side, and you can succeed at both in general or while working a full-time job. But when you're kind of adding in the full-time job, this is a different element different things that you need to take into account in order to determine how to actually succeed while working full-time. And most likely that might involve more passive investing at first. And then ultimately, if you really enjoy working in the business, you can work towards that active investing side. Or if you're younger, don't have a lot of free time after work, then of course you could start actively investing on the side. So it kind of depends on your life situation and uh, what you want to do. So if you don't have anything else to add, Travis, best of your listeners, thank you for tuning in. If you have a question that you'd like us to answer on this show, or we also do a 60 second question segment on YouTube, you can email me, Theo at JoeFairless.com, and we'll add that to the queue. So again, thank you for tuning in. Have a best ever day, and we'll talk to you tomorrow. Thanks, Theo. Thanks, everybody.